from Las Vegas. You're listening to Verve Church for people who don't like church. Thanks for tuning in. Jerry, feel like you need purpose, like you need some adventure in your life. We recently did a series on movies. There's almost always a sense of adventure. But but you might, you know, you watch movies, read books, whatever, you're like, well, that's a, that could never be me. Today we're continuing our Dangerous Prayer series, and we're going to learn to pray in a way that will give our lives purpose and adventure if we dare. We're going to pray what may be my favorite of these dangerous prayers. It's a, it's a prayer of availability. Yeah, I've been in uh, small groups for years where uh, people can share prayer requests. Every week, it's like, hey, what can we pray for you? And here, here's what I've noticed. Most of the time, uh, people want prayers for things that directly impact themselves or those they love, which, which makes sense, right? It's like, God, would you do this for me? God, my grandma's sick. Could you heal my grandma? And we should, hear me, we should pray those prayers. Don't stop. But today, we're going to talk about a dangerous prayer that we need to add. Instead of just praying, God, would you do this for me? We need to pray, God, what can I do for you? Like, God, I am your servant. I am available for whatever you might call me to. It's a prayer of availability. It's a dangerous prayer. When, when you pray this prayer, God could uh, direct you in a lot of different ways. He may lead you to go to a different city. He may lead you to stay where you are instead of going like you were planning. He may reveal a calling he has for you that you didn't even know. He might have you change your job. He might call you uh, to serve somewhere. He might ask you to ride your bike in the city. I don't know what it might be, and you won't either until you pray this dangerous prayer. So if if you read through the Bible, um, you'll, you'll see that I mean, God calls people, meaning like um, he, he, he kind of prompts people. He, he leads people to, uh, to say something, to, to do something, to go somewhere, to, to speak truth to someone. God will call people who know him to do something that he wants done. God calls people. Not everyone responds to God the same way. In fact, I want to show you different responses, three different responses uh, that we see people in the Bible have to God's calling and that are going to lead us into our dangerous prayer. First response to God's call is God calls and the, the response is, here I am, I'm not going. Here I am, I'm not going. We see this in the Bible with a guy named Jonah. Uh, in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, the, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. So he calls Jonah, right? To Jonah, the son of Amate, says, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah ran away from God and God's calling. He's like, here I am. I'm not going. I wonder if maybe you've had a similar reaction to God. 
Like you, you felt prompted to, to do something like, I think I'm supposed to reach out. I, I'm supposed to help this person. And you thought, here I am, God. But no, not today. Not today. One way this is true for a lot of Christians is with sharing Jesus with other people. God has told you your mission in life, if you follow Jesus, is to go share your faith with the people God's put in your life. Just like he told Jonah, right? Same thing. Jonah said, no. And today, uh, all the research says 95% of Christians are saying no. 95% of Christians never share their faith with others. They're, they're like, here I am. I'm not going. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, a guy who was friends with my father, they were friends um, before I was born and then when I was uh, young, um, I found out that this friend of my father's was sick and about to die of cancer. Uh, didn't have very long to live. He, he had been in my life when I was younger. was very kind to me. And I didn't think he believed in Jesus. And, and I just had this feeling, and I, I should fly across the country and talk to him. Like maybe I, I could tell him about Jesus. Maybe he would believe. Who knows? And I thought, I think I might do that. I, I really might. And not today. I, I, I need to think about it more. I mean, It'd be an expensive flight. I need to check on that. And I would have to miss some work. And honestly, I don't know if he'd want me there. Um, I haven't seen him in years. He, he, he probably wouldn't listen if I tried to tell him about Jesus. Who, who knows? But, but I, I might go. I, I'll probably go. Just not today. Maybe, maybe, maybe in some, some you know, weeks down the road. And he died a couple of days later. To this day, I feel so bad about that. Like I felt prompted to do something, and I didn't do it. And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm guessing you've had times when God has prompted you to do something, and you thought, I need to do that. I'm going to do that. Just not today. Jonah said, here I am. I'm not going. Second response to God's call. We're going to look at three. Second response is, here I am. Send someone else. Uh, we see this with Moses. So Moses' people, the, the Israelites, uh, are in slavery in Egypt. Um, they were calling out to God, asking for him to save them. God speaks to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now, this is something that Moses would have totally agreed needed to happen. He was down with this. But look what Moses says. And it says, sure, God, I'll go. Send me. He says, uh, verse 11, but Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? M Moses is like, who am I? I, I? I'm not good enough. I'm not trained enough. I'm not, I'm not talented enough. He's like, yes, this needs to happen. I'm just not the right person to do it. Here am I. Send someone else. And reading that, uh, it might be like, I can't believe that. You know, God spoke to Moses, told him what to do. And Moses says, no. He, he, but why didn't he say yes? But come on. It's so easy to do this, right? I mean, don't you do this. God, God has, uh, for instance, God has told you to give 10% of your income or more back to him through your church. 
but it's so easy to say, I'm not going to give. And they, they make more than I do. They can do it. I got it told you to serve in your church. But it's so easy to, to think, I'm not going to serve. I'm not, I, I'm not super qualified. I don't have enough time. They have more time than I do. God has told you to share your faith. And it's so easy to say, I'm not good at that. Vince can do that for me. Maybe, you know, my friends will show up and he, he can do that. Here I am. Send someone else. Third response to God's call is, here I am. Send me. And we see this with Isaiah. He prays this dangerous prayer I'm hoping we'll pray. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, we see the beginning of this encounter he has with God. Isaiah writes, Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Now, before we look at Isaiah's response, I want you to think about what he doesn't say. Because we're going to see that he doesn't say, Um, where would you be sending me? I mean, I'm like, is the climate nice? What's the cost of living there? Like it? A gallon of milk, gallon of gas. What, what, uh, do, you, do you have a job for me there? Are there? Does the job have good benefits? Is there vacation time? Nope, he didn't say any of that. Instead, he signed a blank contract. Check it out. Uh, verse end of the verse eight. Isaiah's response: I said, "Here I am. Send me." And I want to encourage you to pray this dangerous prayer this week. And I'm hoping it might become a daily part of your prayer life. Like every day when you wake up, God, it's a new day. I, I'm going to live this day with you and I'm going to live this day for you. Here I am, God, send me. What do you need me to do today? Because whatever it is, God, I, I want to do it. And I want to challenge you. I want to dare you. I'm gonna, I want to double dog dare you to pray this because I think this is who you are. Pray this prayer. Here I am, God. I'm available. Here I am, God. I give me to you. You have, you have permission uh, to, to, to interrupt my agenda, God. You, you, I, like, I'll, I will be ready. If, if you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. If you want me to stay right here, I'll stay. If you want me to say something, I'll say it. If you just want me to be quiet and praying, I'll be quiet and I'll pray. If you want me to give something away, uh, give my time, give money. God, I'm just going to be ready. Whatever it is, God, I am just completely available to you. I am your servant. Here I am, God. Send me. Man, it's a dangerous prayer. Because if you pray it, God's going to answer it. He will interrupt you. He will prompt you. He will lead you. You will realize that God has more for you than you've realized. When you pray this dangerous prayer, here I am, God, send me. Like purpose, adventure. How do we get there, right? Like, like how do we get that kind of attitude so that we, we find ourselves in a place where we will fully surrender our lives to, to God? I, I want to try to answer that question in our, in our time we have left. So we looked at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. I want to look at the verses that immediately precede it. They lead up to Isaiah being called by God. Here I am, send me a response. Um, what do you need to fully surrender your life to God? And I think we're going to see three things in Isaiah's uh, experience. Uh, number one, you need a real experience of the presence of God. 
You need a real experience of the presence of God. Look at verse 1 of Isaiah 6. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What happened? When Isaiah experienced the presence of God, he, he saw God in his glory. And then he goes on to talk about, uh, it goes on to talk about how Isaiah actually hears angels worshiping God. Uh, verse three, they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And when Isaiah experienced the, the presence of God, it completely transformed who he was. Why is it that you might not be very available to God? Maybe it's because you haven't recently experienced the presence of God. Why aren't you praying, here I am, my God, here I am, God, send me. Maybe it's because you haven't recently experienced the presence of God. And I, I can struggle with this. And my excuse is, well, I'm just not, not a touchy-feely kind of guy. But, but I don't think that's really the issue. Honestly, I think the reason I don't experience the presence of God is because I always keep myself distracted. I just don't have enough silence in my life. And it is hard to experience God with the TV on and when you're looking at Twitter and you're, but man, we need to experience the presence of God. There's nothing like it. Experiencing the presence of God will bring me to a place of real submission. Like, wow, God, I am here for you. Whatever you want, God, send me. You know, it's possible you might say, that, that's never really happened for me. I, mean, I, I understand that. And I, I just want to tell you that you can. You, you, can, you can do this because, because God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to experience him. In fact, he tells us in the Bible that when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. It, it could happen when you're driving. Instead of listening to your normal, you know, talk radio, maybe you're listening to worship music. You're trying to give God some space to work in your life. And suddenly there's this day where you just sense that God is with you and it's just powerful. Something happens in that car. Or it could be that you're praying with your four-year-old before bed and you're overcome with this realization. God is with us in this room. What is happening? Listen, God can and will draw near to you, but you need to draw near to him. It's probably not going to happen when you're playing video games. It's probably going to happen when you're quiet, silence, or when you're praying or you're listening to worship music. What do you need to fully surrender to God? Pray this prayer. Three things. Number one, you need a real experience of the presence of God because number two, you need a real awareness of your sinfulness. That's what happens with Isaiah when he sees God and hears the angels. Uh, verse five, then I said, Isaiah's writing, right? Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. To be fully surrendered to God, willing to pray this, here I am, send me prayer. You need a real awareness of your sinfulness. I would argue that one of the biggest lies we're taught in our culture is, um, I'm okay, 
you're okay. Like, I'm a good person. You're a good person. We're all good people. Um, you're, you're not going to like this. You're, you're not going to like this because you've bought into the lie that our culture teaches us probably. But without Jesus, you are not a good person. Without Jesus, you're a sinner. Without Jesus, I am not a good person. I am a sinner. Honestly, I struggle to be a good person with Jesus. We're not good. Let's just be honest. We're not. And it's just so hard to see in yourself, right? To admit. And that's why we need a real experience of the presence of God, because that's what helps us to have a real awareness of our sinfulness. It was when Isaiah saw the goodness of God that he realized the, the badness of him. He saw how holy God was, and he recognized how not holy he was. He had a real awareness of his sinfulness, and he cries out, it's all over, I am doomed. He sees who God is, and he's like, whoa, you are righteous, I am unrighteous. You are everything, I am nothing. I have, I have nothing to offer you, I am ruined. What does it take? to get to a place where you're fully surrendered to God, to, to pray, here I am, God, send me. It takes a real experience of the presence of God. It takes a real awareness of your sinfulness. And number three, you need a, a real understanding of God's grace. When you understand how amazing his grace is, it brings you to a point of full surrender. Right, let's look at the next verses, verses six and seven. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. What happened? He experienced the presence of God. He recognized, I am doomed. I, I am a sinner. And then with, with one touch from the goodness of God, his sins were forgiven. <laughs> Can you imagine your, your lying lips forgiven, your lustful attitudes forgiven, your self-centered thoughts forgiven, your outbursts of anger forgiven, every secret sin you've never told anyone, but God knows all of them, Forgiven, forgiven as if they never happened. Everything forgiven. And the, the Bible says that God separates your sin as far as the east is from the west, that he does not remember your sins anymore. It says when you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And that's unbelievable. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why would God do that for us? How, how could he love us that much? I, I, I will never understand it. And, and I will never stop thanking him for it. <laughs> that he forgave my sin. And when you understand the grace of God, it transforms everything. That the same way that coal uh, that touched Isaiah's lips and removed his guilt, in the same way the blood of Jesus covers our sins. When we realize how sinful we are, when we recognize that only Jesus can save us, and he did, our only reasonable response is to give God everything. Here I am, God. 
sent me. This is not my life anymore. This is your life. I give it to you. God, I am all yours. Anywhere, anytime, anything. Here I am. Send me. Send me, God. This, 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 this is not a, well, I guess I got to pray this prayer because that whole Jesus died for my sins thing. I guess I should, right? Shoot. No, this is not a, this is not a, I got to do this. This is a, I get to do this. I get to know God. I get to serve God. I get to talk to people about him, encourage people for him. He gave everything for me and I will give everything for him. The cool thing is that this isn't a one-time decision. This is a daily decision. Every day I decide again, here I am, God, send me. Honestly, it's, it's not just a daily decision, it's a daily battle. Because there is a war inside each of us. We have this selfish side that, that wants to say, here I am, I'm not going. Here I am, send someone else. But if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have, if you have given your life to God, if you have the, the spirit of God in you, then there is this spiritual side that wants to do what God wants you to do, that wants you to pray this dangerous prayer, here am I, God, send me. So how do you make sure that the spiritual side wins, not the selfish side? It's, it's actually simple. It's not, not easy, but it's simple. What we feed grows, and what we starve dies. Simple. Every, every time you make a selfish choice, that selfish side grows in power. Every time, every time you decide, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I'm, I'm just not good enough at, at talking to people. I, I, I'm just very busy right now. Every time you make a selfish choice, the, the selfish side of you grows in power. But every time you starve the selfish side and feed the spiritual side, the spiritual side grows in power. But when you say no to temptation, well, when you say yes to being at church, reading your Bible, praying, getting into it and showing up at your verb group, serving on a, on a volunteer team, uh, giving, listening to worship music, the spiritual side grows in power. And you find yourself praying this dangerous prayer, here am I, God, send me. Why don't more Jesus followers pray this prayer? because it feels dangerous. I mean, uh, a lot of people would say, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid God might make me sell everything and, and move to Africa to be a missionary. Well, he may. And if he does, it would be the best thing for you. That would be the best life you could live. God loves you more than you love you. And he wants to lead you into your best life. Maybe that's in Africa but it's far more likely he'll call you to be a missionary where you work. Far more likely he'll call you to serve the people right in front of you, to, to, be, to be faithful with uh, what he's already given you. M most often what's got, what God is going to call you to do is, you know, uh, hey, go listen to that, to that hurting person. Let them talk. That, that person at work who you can tell is not themselves, listen to them. Uh, give, give more generously, give more consistently than you have. Hey, call your friend, call your friend, check in. Uh, volunteer in your church, volunteer in your community. Hey, why don't you buy lunch for that single mom and her kid? 
go on uh, the Verve Mexico mission trip and help build a house for a homeless family. Invite your friend to church. You might think, um, yeah, I, I hear you, but, but those are little things. Uh, I, I love what Mother Teresa said. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And I think one day we'll look back and realize the small things were big things. That's why God asked you to do it. It was a big deal to him. I'll end with a story. Uh, at some churches, especially back in the day, uh, pastors would stand at the exit door and everyone would file out after service and say, good sermon, pastor. Good sermon, pastor. Thank you. Right? Well, this, uh, this one pastor stood at the door and this guy comes up and he says, good, good sermon, pastor. And I want you to understand the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? The pastor is like, that's weird. Thanks. Next, uh, next Sunday, good sermon, pastor, good sermon, pastor. Same guy comes up on his way out. Good sermon, pastor. And I want you to understand the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Same thing the next week and the next. And so finally, the pastor says, hey, you know, the answer is yes, whatever. And he goes, do you want to go out for coffee or something? So they do. And the pastor asks, hey, what do you mean every week when you say the answer is yes? Now, what's the question? And this guy says, man, me, I... I just never understood how sinful I am. And that God loved me despite my sin. And I can't believe how much he loves me. And that Jesus died for me. And God opened my eyes and he took away my sins. And my whole life has changed. Everything's different. When you ask anyone who knows me, they'll tell you I am a different person because of Jesus. And so, whatever the question the answer is yes. Whatever God wants me to do, whatever you need me to do, mow the yard, go visit someone at the hospital, pray for someone, give money to whatever, I am all in. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? Yeah. How do you get to that place? How do you get to the place where you have the courage to pray, here I am, God, send me, whatever the question is, God, the answer is yes. You need a real experience of the presence of God. You need a real awareness of your sinfulness. And you need a real understanding of God's grace. When that happens, the answer is yes. What's the question? Here I am. Send me. Let's, uh, let's pray for that together. And then uh, we're just going to do one song together. And um, it's a chance for you to open yourself up for God to connect with you and feed that spiritual side. And then we got a couple announcements and we'll, uh, we'll let you go. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would give us a real experience of you. Maybe even um, now in this prayer, as a result of that message, uh, as we uh, listen to the band do this song, maybe even sing um, wherever we are right now. Just a real awareness of your presence. And God, as we get to know you and experience you for more for who you are, would you help us have a real awareness of our sinfulness? Help us to know um, how deeply sinful we really are. And then God, help us to have a real understanding and gratefulness for your grace. You, you loved us so much despite our sin that you sent Jesus and you, you've forgiven us. And God, because of that, man, how can we not say yes, God, whatever the question is, Lord, send 
me. God, when you call someone the next time, call me. When, when you have something that needs to be done, ask me. When, when, you, when you have some mission, man, God, I, I've, I've signed up. The answer is yes, God, whatever the question, send me. We pray in the, one, the name of the one who was sent for us, in Jesus' name, amen.